Hello, Headstrong listeners. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Laura, also known as Bold, Boobless and Beautiful on Instagram. In honour of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we wanted to have a little chat about breast cancer to destigmatize it as a topic and to really just find out more and hear a personal experience. So, Laura, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Laura. Um, I'm 33. I live in Norwich um, and I was actually diagnosed with breast cancer originally in 2014. I was only 25 when I found my breast cancer. Um, At the time, I actually didn't know I should be checking. I didn't know anything about um, breast cancer in general. I didn't know what to look for, the signs or the symptoms. And it just happened to be that I was actually on holiday in the shower one day. And, you know, when you use those like shower puffs for your your wash, um, I was using that all the time you know, in the UK, but because I was traveling around quite a lot on holiday, I didn't want to get it wet and then have to pack. So I just remember being in the shower this one morning, washing with just my hands and um, came across a little lump in my left breast. And at the time it was literally like a pea size. I didn't really think anything of it. I asked my boyfriend to just have a little feel and he was like, oh yeah, I can feel something. But again, I was 25. I assumed it must be hormonal or a cyst or, you know, just didn't, nothing crossed my mind at all to do with cancer. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks later, we, we were on our way home. This was actually a trip to Australia. So we were out there for five weeks. So it's about two weeks later when we as I say, arrived in the UK that Brad actually said to me, I think you should get it checked at the doctors because it had grown a tiny bit, like not, not anything really concerning, but I just thought, oh, it's obviously something that might need removing regardless. I was, you know, as I say, cancer didn't even cross my mind even at this point. And I went to the GP, they had a feel. Um, my GP actually said, oh, I'm not concerned. However, I'm not a specialist. I will refer you on just to get a second opinion, just to make sure. Now, after that, I actually found out a few weeks later that she out of my GP surgery, bear in mind, my GP surgery is quite large. There's probably about 20 doctors. They have a team meeting every week. Only two others would have referred me. Everyone else said, no, because of my age, they would have said, just see how it goes, which is quite scary, you know, and that's the thing. I think so many people go, well, I'm too young, I'm too young, but age isn't a thing. If we've got breasts, you can get breast cancer. Even men, I mean, men don't have breasts, but they've got breast tissue. And anyway, fast forward a couple of weeks, I went into hospital, had uh, an ultrasound and a biopsy and actually had a mammogram. I was told I was too young to have a mammogram because breasts are too dense. So at this point, when I had the mammogram, that's something in my head clicked and they were like, they've seen something they're not happy with. Um, But still, I just think I didn't really think it would be breast cancer I think you know as I say being young you just don't assume anything like that's going to happen um and then it was 24th of February 2014 so this is like another week on because obviously the results take a little while I sat in the office with my consultant and they told me I'd already got stage three breast cancer it had spread to my lymph nodes um stage three means that it's quite aggressive it grows quite quickly um it had already gone to as I say the lymph nodes so stage there's there's four different stages in in cancer and it just depends on the size and the shape so someone could be a stage three but have a small very fast you know uh, aggressive lump and someone could have a very slow growing but uh, you know smaller lump um so it really just depends on on you know people's diagnosis but stage four unfortunately is when it becomes incurable now with my primary i say primary because actually i am now currently living basis but I went through all the initial treatments so I had um I was lost all my hair I went through mastectomy of my left breast now again being young I'd never had an operation before so this was something that was quite hard to contend with 
And I think as well, being young, you kind of, you feel very self-conscious about something like that. I mean, I'm sure it, as you get older, it's still no, no better in the self-conscious wise, but I mean, girls in their sort of late teens, early twenties, you want to wear nice Oh, the sound just cut out when you said you want to wear and then it just went completely. Oh, did it? <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, yeah, when you're young, you want to be able to wear, um, you know, nice dresses, low cut tops. You want to feel confident. And I think body image is such a big thing, isn't it, in young women? Um, so this is quite a big cause, quite bad burns. Um, to the skin which is obviously uh, not great um, but you know I was quite positive at the time I was working as a hairdresser I managed to carry on working through my diagnosis I tried to just get life back on track really and about a year later I de developed a pain in my left um, my right shoulder sorry but I've been going back to the gym I was trying to kind of get myself healthy so I just assumed I'd injured it at the gym <laughs> um, left it for ages because you know I just again I think in my head, I was like, oh, I've had cancer now. I've got over it. I'm getting better. I'm back on track with life. Uh, so I left it, as say, several months. And then actually, um, it wasn't until out for dinner with my, uh, my other half. And yeah, I tried to put my arm onto the table just to kind of really rest. And I had to I literally physically lift it. And he then said to me, um, I think you should go and get it scanned. So I did. And they actually found... Um, that the whole of the ball joint of the ball and socket of my right shoulder was actually a, a tumour. Um, it had been taken over by breast cancer cells and it was also in my spine and my pelvis. And at this point, because the cancer had spread beyond the breast area, it's then classed as a metastatic um, disease, which is uh, secondary. Um, and unfortunately in, in breast cancer, in different cancers, it's actually some, some cancers secondary, or sorry, um, when it sort of spreads around, it's not actually incurable. It's sort of, there's certain like blood cancers and stuff that are like that, but with breast cancer, it, it is incurable. And obviously at this point, you know, your whole world just falls apart. I literally didn't know what to do, how to kind of pick myself up because it's such a hard thing. You know, I was only, I was 28 at this point. Oh. Um, so I obviously with the, with the other uh, cancer I'd got, I diagnosed at, at 25 and I was 26 that year and then I had about you know a year of treatment and then a year kind of rebuilding my life I suppose and then as I say it was 2016 that it came back um and you know at that point you just also sort of think oh well I might only have weeks to live on this lump or left this pain sorry six months you know I hadn't I just assumed it then be everywhere so I was actually weirdly as it sounds I was quite relieved that it was only in my bones at this point um, I had to have a major operation on my shoulder so I had to at that point give up hairdressing and I've got a basically a full metal sort of humorous part of my arm which was not a very fun operation at all to do um, and I had to go through more chemotherapy so I lost my hair for the uh, second time which again I think being young you know this image but you know body image and your the way you look is so so important and I remember just being gutted that I had to lose my hair again because I before I had cancer it was quite long and um yeah having to sort of to figure out what I was doing with it and and it growing back it's just that awkward stages of it being really 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 short and it's not a choice thing you know so many people said to me oh you look so good with it short and I was like but I didn't choose to have it short it's very different if I said to now oh, I'll cut it off that's my decision um but you know saying you know all this kind of negative stuff 
I'm now five years on. Literally, I celebrated my five-year anniversary last week. Mm-hmm. And the drugs that I've been taking, so I have treatment every three weeks in hospital. I have tablets every day. I have, you know, regular scans and regular tests. Um, but I've managed to stay stable. So it's still in my body, but it hasn't spread anywhere further, thank goodness. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's very difficult because that I think also people don't understand a lot about secondaries and what they actually are. People sometimes say to me, oh, so you've got cancer, like bone cancer. And I'm like, no, it's breast cancer in the bone. <laughs> it's very different. Um, so, you know, I, since all of this, because obviously I had to give up my hairdressing work, I was very, very keen to start raising awareness, sharing, you know, signs and symptoms and really focusing on talking to young people about it. Because for me, being only 25 when I was initially diagnosed, it it really enlightened how much people don't know when they're that age and people don't think about it. And it's it's not to scare the people, you know, it's not to scare you guys and think, oh, well, you will get a cancer diagnosis. That isn't at all what, what um, you know, we try to do around the awareness side. It's about getting to know your body, getting to know the changes because the only person really that's going to look after yourself is you. And the GPs can only do so much. And it's about knowing things like if you found something that you weren't happy with and you went to your GP and they told you you're too young, you need to be able to say, well, actually, (laughs) I don't want to be told I'm too young. Anyone can get this. I want a second opinion. And nine times out of 10, that second opinion will probably be the same as the GP saying it's nothing. But it's about trusting your own gut and your own instincts and actually having that voice to look after your own health. And I think as well, the fact that you were kind of not ready to deal with it, but you you kind of put it off because you thought, oh, it can't be cancer because I'm so young. It just kind of reminded me with my mum when she came into my room and showed me and she had no idea what it was. And she just said to me, it was back in 2019. And she was like, oh, I have this really weird lump, but I'm not sure what it is. And I was like, oh, does it hurt? Because I had learned from social media that if it's painless, it's typically well not typically but it could it has the potential to be a cancerous lump my mum obviously showed me that and I explained to her that you need to go get that checked as soon as possible and all of her friends said that it would be all right that it wasn't going to be anything because they thought that my mum was young as well even though she was like 42. As I was playing this to my mum she literally gasped and said I was 41 so now you know she was 41 not 42 sorry mum older than you but they still just assumed that it wouldn't be anything because she's still quite young um and then my mum had a recurrence as well and I think like when you were talking about the whole hair thing I think for women as well it's quite difficult because a lot of how a woman feels like a lot of women's confidence comes from the way that she like looks and for my mum she really loved her hair so when she lost it at first she did try to have that sort of control thing you were talking about and she cut her hair into like a pixie cut before she started yeah. having chemotherapy so it's so it more of like a choice and you feel a little bit more in control because obviously with cancer you have very little control over what's going on yeah completely you lose all of it I feel that you know when I speak about it to other people I sort of say well my life now is in the hands of the hospital I don't have any control over the way you know with my life my scans have to be happen every few months my treatment has to happen every three weeks like I can't just jump on a plane and disappear for six months that can't happen so yeah you lose like you say you lose a huge amount of self-control and just means to have that little bit even if it is just cutting your hair before you lose it or I don't know um 
buying new clothes that actually make you feel good before you've had your mastectomy or things like that it's um yeah it it's a really hard one definitely and I think as well being younger and, and your mum you know I know uh, you say she's older than me but she's still relatively young in comparison to the majority of people who get a breast cancer diagnosis you know we're talking about a very very small percentage get it under 50 even smaller get it under 40 and there's a very very tiny percentage to get it obviously in their 20s and 30s but it can happen and I think the whole lack of education thing can be quite dangerous because we actually found out my grandma was a BRCA1 carrier because she had breast cancer before as well but it was a different a different kind to my mum's but still she was a BRCA1 carrier, but they didn't sort of make my mum aware that she could have a test to see if she was as well. Oh, so they my never mom, did that? They never did. My mum just found out when she was having her treatment for it as well, and she did the test. And then she found out about like her brothers having the BRCA1 gene as well. Oh. But my mum saying that in a way she's relieved because obviously when I'm 18, I can check to see if I have that same gene. And then it's kind of like when you're educated or you're aware of things that you can put in place to sort of not necessarily prevent it but I suppose if it's there you can manage it a little bit better yeah and with the BRCA gene I mean I so I was tested because I don't have any family history of breast cancer but I'm one of three four sisters so I've got three sisters um so obviously for them it was really important that I knew if I carried any sort of genetic problem and the BRCA gene wasn't found but they did say to me you know there could be a genetic link somewhere that we don't know about so it still could be because for me there was no rhyme or reason I got it at my age I I, you know I just put it down to bad luck but if you are as you say you know if you go and get the test it doesn't mean you have to automatically react to it you don't have to go and have a mastectomy immediately but it just puts that in your mind of actually you know a mastectomy is not great but getting cancer is worse so you know and I think the more people talk about that kind of stuff as well like I was passionate about sharing my reconstruction journey um you know the nipple tattooing everything people didn't really understand that and I didn't really understand it and I think you know when you talk to some people they're like oh it's a boob job (laughs) it's like it is not a boob job it is completely different and again I, I I feel so fortunate actually we are now in a world where social media is very present obviously there's a huge negative side of social media but when I was first diagnosed going back you know only seven years it wasn't really that big. Facebook was a thing, but people kind of generally kept it very personal on Facebook. Only friends and relatives generally followed you. You didn't kind of, you didn't reach out to the wider audience and the general public. And I felt very lonely. You know, I didn't know who I was, um, you know, who, who I could find to talk to. I didn't, I didn't have those communities of people where you can find out this information like with reconstruction or with chemo or, you know, so I, I basically went through my primary diagnosis a bit blind. You know, I didn't know any of this. I literally, the only person I knew who had cancer was me. And I eventually did find a, a local group that was a young women's support group. And that was really helpful. But even then, you know, a lot of the women were older. A lot of the women had gone on and had children already, you know, it was a very different stage of your life. I feel you know being in your 20s to being in your 40s even and it wasn't until my secondary diagnosis Instagram started becoming on the scene a lot more people started sharing a lot more I found what I class as my community literally I found the people that I could talk to and I could speak openly with people who were almost you know slightly different in their maybe their treatments they're having because of, of the types so obviously with breast cancer there are so many different types you can have of treatment depending on what I, I carry. So I've got um, estrogen positive. So basically 
the estrogen of my body has to kind of be removed because it's yeah. fueling the uh fueling the cancer but also this other thing called her two positive which not a lot of people are both um but it, it so it's not it's not easy to find someone who's got exactly the same diagnosis having exactly the same treatment but you find people that are very very similar situation and that to me has been an absolute lifesaver it literally has kept me afloat because at the times I don't understand things there's always someone to talk to and I feel like you were saying earlier like the community now people are hearing it people who haven't got cancer are listening and watching and finding out the information that they 10 years ago would never have seen the only thing you would have maybe heard about if it was on the news or in a magazine you know it wasn't something that you would necessarily just pick up and look at um nowadays I mean I have people follow me from all parts of the world of all age groups of people who have cancer and people who don't have cancer and I often say it's more important for the people who don't have cancer to follow because they're the ones that actually are learning they're the ones that are you know going hang on a minute I need to check or I need to do this um to prevent it and that's a big thing it's not about I, I would love it if people you know it got to the point where everyone was either caught very very early or new things to help prevent getting cancer which obviously one day who knows we never know what's going to happen down the line um but the more people understand it I think you know it's it, it, it becomes easier on everybody I think as well one of the like things that I particularly enjoy like about following your account is that I think you did a post about a month ago when you were talking about the not so positive side because I think when people have social media, even if they're going through something like cancer, they tend to only show like the positive moments or they try to keep it obviously a positive echo chamber, which is fine because why wouldn't you want to do that? But I think you show the real side when you were obviously explaining how sometimes it can take such a huge emotional toll on you. It's like when I'm speaking to my mum sometimes, she is very much trying to keep a positive mindset all of the time. And then you see them looking a little bit down or you often get phone calls from family and they're always like, oh, are you okay? It will be okay. And it's almost like they want the reassurance as well. They're not just calling to reassure you. So it is very real and it's not always going to be positive, no matter how positive you think you are as an individual. And I think you sharing the whole story, not just the bits that you're selecting of your story, is what makes it more real. And yeah, and I think that's important. Definitely. Sorry. I was, yeah, no, I think that's that's so important for me. I want to be me. I don't want to be someone that's, you know, yes, I am. I am a positive person in general. Like I do have a lot of people say, oh, you've got a really good outlook. And, you know, I just so I live by a motto. Basically, I've got this motto, which I, I kind of made up very early in my diagnosis was don't worry about things you can't change. Now, that can be in all walks of life. It doesn't have to be through just cancer. I you know, I can't change what's going to happen in my next scan. I can't predict what's going to happen in a year's time. I don't know where I'm going to be, if I'm even going to be here. But what I can do is I can focus on the fact I'm living now. I'm here now. I can enjoy now, you know, yeah. and, and that's the important part. If I sit here worrying about what might happen, I'm not living. Yeah. And I think that's true with, you know, we, we as a society, and I think, again, reaching out to, to you guys as, as young women, you know we as a society are so thrown into this world of you know you must complete your GCSEs you must get good results in your A-levels you must go to college or university you must get a really successful job you must find someone to settle down with and get married you must have children you must buy a house you know all these musts 
but actually you've got to focus on now are you enjoying life now are you doing what you want to do in life are you happy because all these pressures on society are so hard people you don't have this amazing you know path set out in front of you that's guaranteed to happen life just throws spanners in the works left right and center and I was always the I was always the girl that was like leave school right I'm running my own business because I had my own um not own salon but I ran my own hairdressing business within a salon and I you know at the time I was with with my now husband and I was like okay so next is you know let's buy a house let's let's have children you know let's get married let's do all these things so I, I had a path that I thought that I would go down and then cancer came in my life and my whole life did a, a 180 and I've gone the other direction and you know certain things have remained the same like he stayed with me and we're together still and we have actually got married recently but I'm never going to have children because of my situation I can't afford to buy a house because you know I wouldn't get a mortgage probably anyway because of the situation I'm in and I, I can't work and so I've had to accept a lot of changes to my life and it's made me go do you know what why did I put so much pressure on having that path why did I always think this is exactly the way my life is going to go because when it does then hit that something changes it's really hard to digest um I found that probably the most difficult because you know at the time being 25 I was seeing all my friends doing the things I wanted to do and it still does you know I find it hard now because sometimes I am like well you know people will look at me sometimes be like oh but you go on nice holidays and you do all these lovely things I'm like yeah but I'm kind of doing them because I'm not going to be here to do them in the future and I have to do what I can now to enjoy life and it's a way of me I suppose just living and doing what I can to kind of to to counteract the fact that my life could be quite negative and heavy I have to kind of keep it quite light and positive otherwise it's not fun for me or anyone else to, to go through. And I think as well obviously living in the moment and focusing on what you have now rather than focusing on what you could be doing or what you're missing out on is a lot of a healthier way to look at life especially because otherwise then you just feel so confined and trapped and like you're not living the life that you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about the power of social media, I think it was on Strictly Come Dancing or Dancing with the Stars, one of those like dancey shows. And one of the judges. I love a bit of Strictly. One of the judges, I really can't remember what it is now. But yeah, one of the judges, she put her hands up or something to clap. And I'm not sure if you've seen it. Everybody was commenting and they said, oh, get that checked. Because when she lifted up her arm, she had like a lump on the side and everybody was identifying it. And like tweeting, messaging her, saying that, oh, you need to get that checked because that looks potentially dangerous and you need to do something about that. And then consequently, I think she was on maybe Loose Women or a morning talk show. And she was saying how she's going to go to the doctors and get that checked. So I think more women being aware of that and being able to spot that in other women is like a huge thing and huge I guess it's like a progressive leap because before, even when I did a post, live your breast life, um, or breast cancer <laughs> um, I sent it to my teacher before and I was like, just double checking, like, is this okay to post? And she was like, yeah, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be like destigmatizing everything. So I just thought, oh, is it a little bit weird to be talking about boobs on my school head girl Instagram account? But I think this is amazing because at my school, you know, I had never had anything like this. I think the fact you've got a podcast, the fact that you're talking to people about real topics, you know, not just about 
going out on a night out or meeting up with your friends out in the park it's about real issues that are actually going to affect people which is incredible so yeah and no, I think it's a really good thing to be able to do and I'm glad that they're allowing you to, to do that and open up these conversations I'm really glad that you would be oh, can I speak I'm really glad that you're on the podcast as well I think especially the fact that you're from Norwich as well but you have such a huge following um I think that kind of shows that you could be anyone and it can still affect you and you've made such a hugely positive little community out of this as well so I think you're quite inspirational oh thank you <laughs> yeah I just, I just do what I can the way I found out about you as well was quite funny when I came back from the I would call the taxi because I just had my hair done and I was not very happy at all and your husband was the taxi driver and I got <laughs> in and he was like are you okay and I was like no that lady was so mean to me and we started talking about how at hair salons sometimes you get people who are really lovely and sometimes you get people who are like the absolute worst and I was just like oh she didn't even talk to me the whole time and it was just awkward and I was like and I was so excited because that was at the beginning of summer and I was like new summer hair I'm gonna be a new person um and then your husband was obviously talking about how you have a background with hair and I said oh my gosh that's so cool I have a winter ball coming up maybe if you give me your wife's contact details I get her to do my hair (laughs) he started telling me about your whole situation and I started talking about my mum we realized how many people it affects because you kind of assume that can't you're like oh cancer that's not really going to happen to me but then obviously both of us were sat there telling stories with our closest loved ones but I think by the way, your husband does like your best walking advert. So I was like, what's oh, that? <laughs> and then he sent it to me straight away. Um, and yeah, so I think even just speaking about it, obviously I was 17 at that time with a man who was driving me around and we started talking about breast cancer. So I think <laughs> slowly being less of, becoming less of a taboo topic. Yeah, I find it's such a small world, isn't it? Like how things happen like that. I find that often you know people say oh yeah I was talking to someone so someone knows you or someone had a connection with someone and it is it's amazing how how much of a small world you know in general it is especially in Norwich but also the cancer world I think you know they do say that everybody knows someone who has got cancer or knows someone with cancer um and I think yeah it's it's just amazing that the world we live in now is so different to the world we were in five six years ago in how people talk about it and I think so I um I helped co-found another page called Secondary Sisters and on that we talk a lot more about just the kind of it's not about us personally about our lives it's about just the secondary cancer world and, and signs and symptoms and we share posts from other people and for me it was hugely important to start opening up that conversation because I think so many people you know especially in things like breast cancer awareness month we do find there's a lot of discussion around breast cancer now and it's amazing how much is spoken about there's still a huge lack in understanding around secondary cancer and how that affects people and I found that when I was diagnosed you need to get people really really wanting to talk to you about it but not really understanding but willing to learn or you'd get the people that almost go well I don't see the point of knowing about it because it's basically just you're not going to live type thing they all they all they thought of it was you're going to die but there's a huge this sort of this in between and I call it a bit limbo land because I'm not better and I'm not dying <laughs> I'm kind of in this weird in the middle and I find that's the part I really wanted to open up a conversation about is actually that people are living with this disease you know I wouldn't say I'm dying I'd say I'm living um I'm having 
treatment and yes I don't know when that's going to stop working but you know again the opening up the conversation around this stopping the stigma of not being able to talk about it the more people that understand it the better and actually just sharing you know that there are people out there with this that that want to have a voice and they want to share what goes on and that's you know as you said earlier about my my Instagram page I try to keep it quite real and there's going to be times that I'm going to have some negative stuff on there because my life isn't all fun and you know games 100% of the time but I try to keep the real stuff informative you know interesting and not something that people are going to shy away from and don't want to hear because I think you know you can get you can get some people that are very negative and very heavy and people just turn off from that because they don't want to kind of drag themselves down and I can completely understand because there's certain people that I can't follow because of that I find it really hard because all, all of it is very negative and very dark um but you know it's about being real and it's about being honest and it's about sharing the ups and the downs you know of of a cancer diagnosis and I think with your Instagram captions as well in particular sometimes if you want to find out more about certain things you'll type something in and you go on the NHS website and it's like a bullet pointed list of all of these awful things yeah. like oh my god oh, don't google honestly don't google <laughs> google's the worst thing you get a little cough and google's like you're gonna die next week <laughs> literally um, yeah with your captions because you keep it so it's not necessarily like conversational but it's very it feels very personal and always like you're just talking to like a best friend or a close friend so sometimes when you see massive, long Instagram captions, you're like, I'm not reading all of that. But with yours, even though they're like long, they're informative and very real and very raw. So you can keep up with it. <laughs> it's very easy to like absorb. So I think if people are listening to podcasts right now, if they have any questions, I'm sure your Instagram is probably one of the best places to go have a look. And Absolutely. I- and I'm always open for like, people messaging me and that's the thing I, I try to respond to everybody I'm quite <laughs> I'm quite that's one of my things I like I you know I don't want to get so big that I can't actually speak to people because I find that it's such important that people can ask questions and I get a lot of people you know the, the messages are just incredible sometimes I get messages from you know people saying oh because of you I, I went to the doctors or because of you you know I'm, I feel like I can support my friend better or and I just think, you know, it's, it's incredible to be able to do that. I didn't I didn't start up the account to, to grow it to the size it is. And I didn't have any intention on where it was going to go. It's just me and my page. And if people get help through that, then to, to me, that's, that's wonderful. I think as well, when I was looking at your page after your husband told me your, your what's it called? Username. And yeah. I was having a little <laughs> talk. Um, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so educational but also so accessible to everybody it's not like it's just bullet points of like not pros and cons but like symptoms and yeah it's just very real I saw your follow like how many followers you had and I thought oh my gosh she's not gonna reply to this (laughs) and then you replied afterwards and you were like the loveliest person in the world about it as well it's one thing seeing somebody's page from afar and following and reading and keeping up to date with it and then when you're actually speaking to that person and even speaking to you now my mum she's just gone out for a walk she was like I really want to meet her I was like walk quickly then um but yeah I think I don't really know where I was going with that I just think you as a person being very welcoming and very human with the whole situation is 
I always I always get very um I find it hilarious because I've been out a couple of times into like a supermarket or I went to the theatre once and someone's come up to me and gone I follow you you're like a celebrity and I'm like I'm really not a celebrity I'm just I be like you send my shirt please <laughs> I had plus I had a girl she was like can, can I have a photo with you I was like yeah that's fine <laughs> it's so sweet I love it but I just find, I find it a bit weird because I'm like I'm just Laura honestly I'm just Laura yeah, um, famous and I, yeah famous Laura but um yeah I just it's amazing isn't it the world of Instagram how it's kind of changed the uh, I suppose the thought of um famous people like when I was young it was literally only like singers and actors and and now it's like social media people <laughs> I get my old sprawl book out <laughs> I really wanted you to come in person but obviously with the whole COVID situation I didn't want to bring you into school because we do still have cases um, oh well another so when things are a little bit more settled I can come and have a chat to people or come and I don't know I don't know what you do these days you have assemblies still or have like meetings there we go (laughs) come and say hi and you know I think it's as I say I completely adore the fact that this is going out to girls that are going to be of that age group that that need to understand and you know I, I I've done a lot of work in the past with Copperfield as well and they're quite big with you know trying to get into schools getting self-checking learning about the signs and symptoms and I feel you know we have you know sex education and all the other things when you're young at school but they don't touch on things like breast cancer and breast cancer is the like number one killer of women under 50 and I don't know why because it wouldn't take long all it needs to be is a 30 minute lesson of here's a leaflet these are the signs and symptoms read it look at it find out what 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 you need to know go home and check every month because that is the thing as well people sort of say to me I'll often put like self-checking videos out and they were like I had no idea because often people go oh well I just have to check the boobs don't I like just the actual breast and I'm like no you know you need to check your armpit area you need to check your collarbone area you need to check the sternum and the sort of underneath the, the breast area around kind of basically anywhere around the upper body and you should be checking at least once a month. Now, some people do it for like the first of the month because it's an easy one to remember. And I often put like little reminders out every every month on the first. But some people prefer to do it at the same time in their sort of their period cycle, um, which obviously your breasts can change uh, quite a lot throughout your cycle. And some people, you know, will have reminders on their phone. But I just think if you get into a habit of getting checking every month when, whenever's best more convenient for you you are learning what's right for you so you know we as women do have lumpy breasts we have uh you know sometimes they'll one will be bigger than the other sometimes they'll change size or shape or feel but if you know that that's what happens and you know that you've got three lumps in your left breast that sort of are a bit weird but they haven't changed and they haven't haven't moved and that's the same and that's your regular then you won't be concerned about those. But then if something new crops up, then that's that's obviously when you might go, oh, okay, well, I'll just go and have a second opinion on that. So, you know, and things like, so again, people think it's just lumps. It's not, it can be um, you know, nipple discharge. It can be inverted nipple. It could be dippling of the skin. So it's really important you look at them as well as feel. Um, as I say, it could be like a pain in your armpit that hasn't gone away. It can be, um, one that's more swollen or looks different so you know there's amazing resources like Copperfield do 
an amazing self-check guide um, on their website. They actually have a, a text. Uh, I think if you can sign up for like their monthly text reminders as well, which is incredible because they will actually then text you every month a funny little message. And this will kind of just give you that, oh yeah, I should be checking my breasts today. But I even say to people, look, I just, every time I'm in the shower, I just have a quick. Say, yeah. It can be literally as simple as a couple of minutes. It doesn't have to be this whole spending hours looking for for certain things it just has to be a regular thing that you you get used to doing and people sort of say to me well when do I need to start and I'm like well when you get your breasts and some girls you know 11 12 start developing breasts so by the time you're of your age you know 17 18 and upwards we should already be doing this this should be something that we are regimented into doing as much as it is we're talking about you know girls becoming you know getting periods and stuff like that why are we not taught about the self-checking of your breasts? Because it is just as important as all the other the sort of health that we have to do. And if you get into that routine in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, you're going to be so solid in doing that every month. And therefore you will pick up on things if there is any changes. And as I said earlier, like go to the doctors if anything's wrong. Speak to your friends as well. Speak to, you know, you can encourage each other. You can help each other even. And if something is wrong get that opinion and get that second opinion if you feel that you're not treated right and I really really wish that doctors wouldn't use their you're too young excuse because it just drives me absolutely up the wall I had a really good friend actually I lost her earlier this year and sadly she had um she, she developed secondaries as well but she only went to the doctors because she knew me and her doctor said she was too young now she was eight years older than me and they said that she was too young and she actually paid to go private to get a scan because she was like, well, no, I'm not too young. I know someone who's you know, eight years younger than me that's got it. So if she hadn't known me, she would never have got that second um, opinion and wouldn't have pushed it further. She would have probably just gone home and gone, all right, then. I'm so sorry. You know, you know it's, 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 just, it's just knowing, you know, knowing to be able to have a voice. You know, GPs don't know everything, unfortunately, as much as I absolutely love GPs you know you're all amazing but they are GPs they are people that see you know toenail funguses they're people that see you know all sorts of different you know different illnesses and ailments they're not specifically breast cancer doctors so you have to go and see someone specific and you know while we're on the subject of doctors it's not just about your breast health it's you know if you see blood in your poo if you have pains in your stomach if you have breathing difficulties like all of these things you should be getting checked out don't leave them exactly and I think as well I didn't realize this until it started oh wow can't speak I didn't (laughs) until it affected my mum but the deodorant that you use as well so I was just using like any drugstore deodorant I could find and then because my mum's hair spread into the lymph node area as well and she was saying you need to be so careful about what you're putting near your armpits as well because that is such a delicate area that obviously there's so many lymph nodes there as well that could be affected so some deodorants have aluminium in them and that's really really dangerous and I had no idea about that kind of thing and I know people make the switch to like vegan deodorants and stuff but a lot of people just do that because they're because of their vegan lifestyle. I don't realize that it is kind of like a safety thing. And it does actually blow my mind that some of those deodorants can still be sold in the shops when (laughs) there's so many risks associated with them. Yeah, I think, you know, with with a lot of beauty products, skincare, um, 
anything I mean even down to things like the pill like you have to be quite careful on things like that like I'm not saying if you're on it come off it at all but there are other non-hormonal options and it's about being able to make those decisions because you know everything we put into our body or everything put on our skin like can have an impact and we are as a society so so much better these days you know you can buy very very natural products quite reasonably priced these days compared to what you could do I mean I remember being kind of your age and being like well I'm not going to buy that expensive natural deodorant that's I don't know 10 quid a thing when I can get my two pound one from the supermarket you know but now I'm much more I'm much more um picky about what I use you know I use very natural hair care I try to you know I've got a sort of natural deodorant I skincare I try to now use things that are less chemical and and more you know I wouldn't say because I'm not vegan I, I I do eat meat and 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 you know drink wine and all the other things that that people sort of say sometimes when you have a cancer diagnosis well you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that I, I I do eat and drink everything I want to do but I do make choices as in I would prefer to now go down the route of you know uh, makeup and skincare that doesn't contain loads of alcohol because again it's quite bad for your for your skin and and using things that are more natural so it's just about being able to make those choices and I think again with the whole social media side we are more aware of what is out there that we can do and what we can change and how we can live our life and I think you know the choice that you guys get now compared to what I had you know going back did you say you're 18 so this is what yeah. oh gosh I don't even want to think 12 years 13 years ago <laughs> or more um you know and I think I don't know probably longer than that 15 years ago oh gosh I'm showing my age now 33 <laughs> not that old but I'm older than you girls um you know the difference in what you can access today is far far better than what what I got you know and and, and going back to your your mum's age group and and beyond you know they had a lot less choice as well so we're we're very lucky with what we get I think people don't realize how spoiled we are with with what we've got in terms of social media and products and yeah just so much more and I think you did some work with little lifts as well I do those sorts of companies are really amazing my mum got a package from them as well and I think that does really help to keep not just like your morale high but they also give you special products that are obviously without all of the harmful chemicals so I think just the fact that they're reinforcing affordable even though some of the things are a little bit more pricey and luxurious they are reinforced affordable good natural products definitely no little lists are amazing they so for anyone who who hasn't heard of them they're a charity that actually was set up and founded by uh, a good friend of mine we actually met because we both were diagnosed with our original breast cancers within a couple of months of each other and she she was just oh I want to set up a charity this is you know halfway through her chemo and I was sort of thinking oh gosh you know that's a bit brave to think of this but she used to work in the charity sector prior to her cancer diagnosis and yeah she was very adamant she wanted it to be all about you know because she she was gifted products throughout her um her diagnosis her friends and family would like wrap her up little presents and every chemo session she'd have these little products to open or chocolates or things and she was like I wish that you know there's some people out there that won't have that support and and she wants every every woman or man who's diagnosed with breast cancer to get a box when diagnosed with with them um, going through chemotherapy and she had this particular like she wanted certain products in the box she wanted them to be local where they could be sourced locally natural where they could be natural you know 
she wanted to be sustainable and something that was going to be kind of not bad on the environment. She's very specific with, you know, making it good quality and and luxurious and and she's done it and it's incredible because these boxes contain beautiful products so many I mean you get all sorts in these boxes there are you know it's like opening a box at Christmas and being like oh I've got like hundreds of little things it's it's just incredible and the nice thing is is people get them it's not you know when you you, you support charities and you don't quite know where the money's going yeah. this is very visual you can see that that person is getting that box and they give them out at certain hospitals at the moment it's very local to sort of Norfolk Suffolk and, and the kind of Essex way and so the hospitals actually give the boxes out at the point of your uh, planning meeting in chemotherapy. Now, I remember those meetings very well. Uh, and, you know, they're very dark. They're very negative. You basically get given this, this list of all the side effects, you know, you're going to get through chemotherapy, including the words of like, this could cause death, you know, because it's such a poison and it's awful. You sit there reading this thing. And at the time, little lists obviously didn't exist, but since you know you now get that but that list and this nice box <laughs> so you've got to got and each thing in the box has a reason like they've got um you know chili oil because you lose like all your taste in your mouth so you need things that have flavor well. yeah bamboo toothbrush a nice soft um, cutlery because you can't i got very metallic-y taste in my mouth and so like this um these these plastic knives and forks would have been amazing because I couldn't I couldn't put metal in my mouth because it already tasted metallic-y it's got yeah. things like a nice heat eye mask it's got you know pen pen and paper so when you go to your planning meetings you've got something to to write in a crossword puzzle because you know you're going to be sat in your chemotherapy appointments quite long so it's something you can do chocolates to have your little treat you know everything's really well thought out and it's amazing and I I became an ambassador for them about a year and a half ago because I mean I talk about them all the time as you could <laughs> I'm basically yeah. just selling selling Littlest um, because they're an amazing charity and I feel that I feel very lucky to have that connection with Owen myself who's the founder and to be able to have witnessed such an incredible charity go from nothing to where it is now and they're now nationally be able to and there's a couple of um, other charities that are sponsoring kind of boxes to go to people further afield which is amazing especially in the secondary community um they actually now do radiotherapy boxes which are a bit smaller but they go to patients even if you've had a primary box <laughs> like the big box you get the little boxes when you do your radiotherapy and i think again they contain a, a natural deodorant and they contain you know things that you wouldn't necessarily go out and just buy but it means you you get to try them and then you actually can make those switches knowingly that you've got a product out there that, that works so yeah I, I absolutely adore them and I love now as much as I, I can't work uh, in my career that I did love and and would have probably been still doing now if it hadn't been my shoulder I love that I can spend my time helping to educate people helping charities out helping support you know lots of other amazing things going on in, in the world and yeah I, I, I feel very you know, as we were talking earlier about the path, my path has changed, but it's taken me on a, a route that isn't bad. It's given me other things and other opportunities. And I feel lucky that I've managed to do something with a bad thing. I've made cancer into a, a kind of good thing, if yes. that makes sense. And even though they're called little lifts, like the impact that they have is huge. Oh, it um, is. <laughs> yeah. It's brilliant. And I love the fact that there are people out there, obviously including yourself, who know of who know how dark these places can be and they do everything in their power to try and make it 
easier or better or even just like when people talk about things more it completely changes the game with how that thing is seen it completely changes the narrative as I say when I uh, when I was originally diagnosed I felt because it was only ever spoken about especially secondaries it was only ever spoken about as like a really dark thing it was scary and now I kind of feel a little bit like oh well it's so spoken about now it makes yeah it makes it takes it takes that pressure off a little bit it changes the narrative it makes it something doable and actually people see like with my page you know you see I have a secondary diagnosis but I'm living and I'm doing things and I'm going to the gym and I'm traveling on holiday and I've done things so I hope that you know if someone was in my position sat at home scared you know I don't know if I can swear on this but beep um bleep over that bit um but you know if they're completely scared and terrified of what might happen they might see my page and go hang on a minute well she's doing this why can't I and it might just help change that perception on that person on how they they live their life you know I might not be here next year but I'm not going to worry about that I'm not going to think about that right now I'll deal with that when it comes to it and you know, I'm lucky that I do have an amazing husband that has stuck by me the whole time. And I've got really incredible friends that I know if things were to relapse and I was to get, you know, not, not good again, they would be there at the drop of the hat. But I like also being Laura and able to do normal things every now and again and not just Laura with cancer. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. And if it's OK with you, I'll put your Instagram and Twitter. Are you active on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I don't use it as much, but I am on there. But obviously Instagram is my main port of call. And if anyone has any, as I say, any questions or wants to get in touch, I'm yeah, always open to having a, a chat. I'll put that in the podcast description as well. Perfect. So, lovely. Thank you for listening, well, thank everybody. You. And I'll see you again soon.